automate, scale, and transform your day-to-day processes. You can build and test automation with five attended, five unattended, five test robots, and access to all automation cloud services. Try UiPath free at account.uipath.com. It's available for individual use and small business. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my wonderful co-hosts, Cassidy Williams and Matt Kiernander. Hi, y'all. Hello. Hello. Today, we are going to be chatting with Lauren Pete, who is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Multitudes, and they work on tools that allow you to understand what is happening inside of a software engineering team and to make some ethical decisions about improving well-being, collaboration, team effectiveness, all those kinds of things. So I'm excited for the conversation. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So the first thing we like to do is just, you know, get our audience situated. Tell them a little bit about who you are and how you got into the world of technology and software. Yeah. So I am very much an accidentally in tech person. (laughs) I grew up in Arizona and then did my college degree out at Stanford. And so you would think that would have sucked me in. But to be honest, my first yeah, but my first few of startups there was like, oh, this is a lot of hype. I'm not really sure what's under the hype. I ended up having a pretty winding pathway. And after graduating, thought I would go down the route of getting a PhD in economics. And I did some Fulbright research in Morocco. And then anyway, landed with Bain in San Francisco. And that's where I, I got sucked in and was working with some some really large tech companies. And then ironically, I actually left San Francisco to then work with startups and was out working with startups in the Middle East. And just that's where I really caught the, the startup bug and, and found my love for startups. And it was because I got to work with really amazing companies that had all the grit and the determination that we see with startups and, and that I love. But even more than that, that we're building their companies with a lot of heart because they'd, they'd seen problems in their community and it felt like a pathway that they could contribute back to that community. So that's, yeah, that's what pulled me in. And then the the last kind of piece of my background before doing Multitudes is that I also founded and ran a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultancy, working mostly with tech and um, product and engineering teams and That was based on having worked with a lot of different teams around the world and seeing things that were working and things that weren't. I love that it's it's not only a variety of jobs, but a variety of locations too. That's cool. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And a few languages along the way. Some of them are rusty now, but yeah. (laughs) Programming or speaking? Um, Both, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. And self-taught on a few, probably more self-taught than formally taught as well. (laughs) So yeah. That's awesome. Tell us, I guess, a little bit about you know, your your involvement to the degree that it, it happened in, in learning software or writing code. And then what was kind of the inspiration for this company? Like you said, you were doing consulting, you're meeting lots of different startups, you realized there was a passion there. What sort of inspired this product and company idea? Yeah, so I'll start with the coding side. So I was working with startups and initially in more ops types of roles and got really interested in the data science side of things. And so started doing a bunch of courses just in my free time. And because I'd had um, gone pretty deep in stats, because I was thinking about this econ PhD, I'd done the very academic languages. So I'd done MATLAB in university, but then dived into some R and SQL, a little bit of JavaScript. And so that was kind of the the language side. And so I was just playing around with some things on the side. 
which is, I'll say this now, where Stack Overflow was so helpful. And we actually, <laughs> I built the very first, I, I mean this genuinely, there was like a month of me learning regex <laughs> with a lot of help from Stack Overflow forums. And that was actually the very first version of what is now Multitude. So, you know, thank you so much. <laughs> really appreciate it. We did it. the community. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Y'all. Yeah. But, but yeah, so then the beginning of Multitudes, there were a few things along the way. So I'd seen all these types of teams and I kind of throughout had noticed that I was working with teams that were all made up of incredible people. So individuals who were smart, who were motivated. But I'd seen over and over that sometimes when you put those people together, it was clunky and I could see that there were people who were being underestimated or being left out. And then sometimes when you put those teams together, it just flowed. And on those teams, we would set goals and we would smash through them. And also it was just a, it was a nicer place to work. And so I'd been personally really interested in why and had been exploring some of the different research about it and came across the Project Aristotle research from Google about psychological safety and obviously the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion and all of that. But then the real trigger for Multitudes was a company, this is when I was doing the DEI consulting work, a company where we were having conversations about their team dynamics and they'd been running all these initiatives. And it was kind of, it was sort of the big, the flashier initiatives, but they were really trying and they thought they were making some progress. And then the following month, they were in the news for toxic workplace culture and some really horrible things that had been happening inside the company. And it made me realize that they're well-intentioned people who don't have a a great pulse on how things are really going. And so Multitudes really began as a way to get lightweight analytics on what's actually happening with our teams and to get the holistic picture. So not just what's happening with the flow of the work and where is it getting blocked, sort of the team performance things, but also how are the people doing around that and who's not getting enough support and feedback on their work or who might be at risk of burnout because of the long hours that they're working. From what I've seen in, in my kind of brief four or five years in tech, like there's there's a lot of very well-intentioned people trying to do the right thing, but it sometimes just doesn't quite land the way that they want it to. And it, it's frustrating because if their efforts were directed in the right way or the most impactful way, then we would have good things. Like I'm, I'm very curious kind of like what are some of the mistakes that you've seen kind of throughout your career and doing the DEI work, like what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen companies make when it comes to uh, DEI? And can you give any advice kind of bundled around that? So I'll do a super quick definition just because I, I know we toss this word around, but just to make sure and then dive into it. So yeah, diversity, equity, inclusion. First, there's a great quote from Verne Myers about how diversity is being invited to the party and then inclusion is being asked to dance. So diversity, who's in the room, inclusion, are you actually including them? And then the equity piece, I love, there's a little add-on from a social justice advocate named Meg Bolger, which says then that equity is a system that makes sure that there's equal access to opportunity for everyone. So it's the systems and structures. And so some of the things that I've seen go poorly, I mean, first of all, what's really hard is I think most people do care about DEI. And again, I've seen this over and over, but it's so easy to deprioritize it. So that's a, a common thing that happens. Another thing that is a very common mistake is people think of it as a, like initiative that you do over there. So you, it's a people and culture thing, or you hire someone and they do it over there instead of weaving it into everything that a company does. And one of the things we're particularly passionate about at Multitudes is 
What does that mean for product development in particular? Because the people that we do our user research with, the product decisions that we make, what we choose to build or not. Within our product, we're setting up our own little systems and structures, and those can either treat people equitably or not. And just on that one, we've seen some massive failures over the years. I'm sure you all know, you know, the the AI tools that couldn't identify black folks, their hands. And so, you know, the like air dryer wasn't turning on, right? There's some both laughable, but actually tragic videos and, and examples that have come up around this. And so I think it's a big part of the responsibility that we have as tech companies because we're building these products that are so scalable and can touch so many people. So we need to think about and design for all the different types of people who'll be using those products. You mentioned, yeah, that you had been at startups, seen some things that worked and some things that didn't, and and also participated. And then you wanted to build a tool that did that in kind of a lightweight analytical way. And I guess with a sense that it would evolve as we learn more about what the right considerations are, what the right data is, because DEI is a relatively young field. So what did the MVP look like? And how did you build this in a way that makes sense for the people who want to gather the data and make improvements, but also for the folks who are being monitored, for lack of a better word? Yeah, so the product itself and how we do that, the first version of it, over time, we've layered in more of the team performance side. But because really DEI and team performance, again, you know, DEI is part of how we perform well, how we build a trusting team. So the first version of it, we were really diving deep initially into Slack data and kind of the patterns of conversation. So who was getting invited into conversation, a lot around share of voice and which voices were we hearing and which ones we weren't. And then also some of the patterns around how we were talking to people, who we were going to with questions, right? Like who's seen as the the holders of knowledge in organizations. So got some really great insights from that. But yet we just realized that we know that there's a clear link to the team performance side And it also, the people who really care about this anyway, it's really helpful for them to be able to then link the people side to the impact on the the team performance side as well, because that's how you make sure there's, it continues to be the time put towards this work. And so that's where now with Multitudes, the way that we think about it is looking at, um, so we started with GitHub data, we're adding in Linear and Jira as well for that issue tracking side of things. And our goal is one, help people on team surface what are the interesting things that are going on? So what are the outliers? What's changed? And then to set people up to have a conversation about that. So that's one of the key things that we think about in terms of it being less reductive and, and reducing the likelihood that this will be used for harm is within the product reminding people that the data is actually, it's not the answer. It's a starting point for a conversation. And so we've got one of the things we've released earlier this year is dynamic conversation starters that consider the data, consider trends and outliers and benchmarks, and then based on that, suggest conversations that you might want to have, starting with one-on-ones, and then we'll be weaving that into retros as well. We know we need to be an opinionated product, and as part of that being opinionated, nudge people to add that human context. So that's one piece of trying to move away from the creepy side and towards the empowering side. And then the last thing I'll say on that too, there's a really great point from Laura Tacho. She runs an engineering effectiveness course, and she pointed out that her words were different, but essentially she said the difference between something being, or the use of data being creepy versus being empowering is really where the locus of control is. And so that's really important for us too. The reason we call it team analytics is, yes, it's analytics about teams, but more than that, it's analytics to be used by teams to make decisions for themselves. 
And so we have really strong nudges and guidance around this is a tool for the whole team to use. If someone on the team doesn't want to use it, that's also fine. We're okay with that. You know, it should also be a team decision whether or not to even use some tooling like this. And then the team using it, that means those team conversations and that joint team decision around, first of all, what does it mean? Because different people will have different context. And then what actions do we take? I'm very curious. So with Multitudes as it stands, do you have any kind of like success stories that you can share with us where Multitudes has been integrated? There was a problem and Multitudes helped kind of solve or like work through that with with the team? Yeah. So I have a couple that I really love, which shows how much that the people side and how we support each other matters for performance. So there was a team that we were working with where they pulled in our data. And one of the things we really dive into is those collaboration patterns. And interestingly, what they saw in the data was that their seniors were doing an amazing job of supporting others, but weren't getting as much feedback from other seniors. And so Mm. they had a really interesting conversation around, okay, great, we're glad we're lifting up other folks, but what does this mean for the ongoing growth and development of our senior developers? And so the CTO was able to use our data to advocate for pulling one of their really senior folks out of the usual flow of work and then moving in them into more of a float role where they were going around and specifically mentoring and working with other seniors. And so it was amazing. Within the first month, we saw, I think it was like a 50% increase in the amount of feedback that seniors were getting from other seniors. But then more than that, over the following months, there was a reduction in the lead time. So they were getting the work out the door much more quickly too. So that's one that I love because it shows it's worth it to invest in that support and growth for people. The other one I love is, I'll give an example that relates to why it's so important to put the locus of control in the hands of people themselves. So this was another team that we worked with where in the data, they're on this team, this is a different kind of senior involvement example, but there was a senior who was giving much less feedback. So they were doing a lot of, you know, it's always about trade-offs and, and they were contributing in lots of other ways on the team. But in terms of contributing to reviews, they were doing less of that. And so they actually raised it. So the the company had a really clear growth framework and they knew that for themselves to advance, they would need to show how they were helping mentor and grow others on the team. And so in a one-on-one, they had a conversation with their manager and set a goal that they would start jumping in more and doing more of that reviewing for others. And over the course of a month, they, and this is a pretty impressive stat. So this is like definitely an outlier. They actually 12Xed the amount of feedback that they were giving to others. (laughs) So they really doubled down. And of course there was a flow on effect to others, you know, so you had all these other folks on the team, the, the more junior folks who all of a sudden, obviously were getting a lot more feedback and we, it was such a huge change that we went, we had a conversation with, with the, the manager and the person after. And it was, what was the most amazing is the manager said that it came entirely from this person. So the manager was there supporting and cheering them on, but the manager never said, you have to do this or push them for it. It was just by that person having their own feedback loops. And, and we could see it. They were checking every week. They were jumping in. They were looking at how they were tracking. Um, they were able to, to take control of that. And then make their own changes that they wanted to make. Having that kind of boost, not just in this particular case, but in general where it's backed by numbers and can push it, fosters such a good culture in general. Because when you have that level of communication encouraged, 
not just like, hey, make sure you talk more, but actual numbers and and something that you can work towards and see and visualize. It's so good, not only for the people who are communicating more, but the people who are receiving feedback and especially trying to go in their careers. When you're having conversations like that with with your manager and you're wanting quantifiable data around like mentorship, especially, which is quite yeah. a subjective thing sometimes, um, that's all incredibly useful for stating your case, whether or not it's for a promotion or just to track, you know, how you're actually aiding the junior members of your team. Absolutely. We do have some an anecdote or two where we know that there's a, a team member who's used some of our data as part of making their case for their next promotion. Mm, that's interesting. So what percentage of the metrics that you know folks are using would you say maybe seems like a more traditional you know software team analytics like I saw on your site? Time to merge was one. And you know, looking at an increase in the number of, of bugs or you know what the sort of number of PR comments written, but then other ones that, you know, were, were new to me, like a feedback flow or time out of office. So like, can each individual team talking about, right, the team owns it, do they toggle and select those? Or how do you, how do you decide which parameters are important? So I'll start with the first one in terms of the split. And we think about it pretty balanced, pretty half and half in terms of the metrics that we're showing on more of the kind of that team performance or process side, as we like to call it. And then the metrics that we show that are more on the the team dynamics, kind of that people well-being collaboration side. The team performance side, we lean quite heavily on the Accelerate, the Dora DevOps research, because it's great research. We know it's, and one of the things we love most about that is it's connected not only to the financial performance of companies, but it's also connected to the psychological safety of teams. So it's really values aligned with us and kind of that more holistic view of it. So that's on that side. And then on the people side, we all of our metrics are research-backed, but we have taken inspiration from a lot of different places. And so there's, there's an interesting thing that we often do where we'll say, okay, so like one of our metrics is that one where we're looking at how often people are working outside of their usual or their preferred working hours. And so that one, we know from the research that when people are working really long hours on a regular basis, it's linked with burnout. We kind of don't need research to say that, but we have the research, right? And we did we did the translation to say, well, here's the research. How do we map it to the behavioral data that we have coming through? But that was really the inspiration for that one, for example. And some of the support ones, we've also, and this is We've done this in a subtle way, but we've also woven in the research around equity at work. So one thing that we know is that folks from marginalized groups get less feedback on their work. So just period, they get less feedback. And on top of that, the feedback they get is usually less helpful. It's less specific. It's less actionable. And so that was the inspiration for one of our feedback measures where we're looking at how much feedback people are receiving because we wanted to be able to highlight, you know, whatever the reason is, the outcome is that these people are getting less feedback and that's going to limit their ability to grow and develop in the same way as other folks on the team. I love how rich all of this data can be in, in using it. And it's, you're describing things where I'm just like, oh yeah, that makes sense, but I never would have thought to put it together that way. So that that's really, really cool that you're building this and it's working and is successful so far. This is not a question, just a comment. I think that's awesome. Thanks. Well, I'll actually, I mean, I'll go back then, just going back to the DEI point too. I think one of the things that's really unique about our team is that we do come from such different backgrounds. So I've, the thing I was most recently doing was 
this DEI consultancy. And so I, I have so much research in my head now on all the DEI stuff. And then we have other team members who've just gone really deep into building data pipelines or have like been on the scaling pathway for other startups before. And, and then we even have one team member who's coming out of a PhD in quantum computing. And, and so what's amazing, yeah, <laughs> everyone is like, oh, he actually did a lightning talk for us on an intro to quantum computing. But it means then that when we're talking about it, we all kind of have different reference points. And so it, I think it just gives us a really great breadth of inspiration for what we weave into the product. I know that you mentioned that the startup is based in New Zealand. Is everybody there in office or is it a very globally diverse team as well? Yeah, we're a remote distributed team. We were a company that was born during COVID. So gotcha. I think any <laughs> company that was, you, it's you're like remote flexible. It has to be that way. You know, there's no other way <laughs> to do it in this day and age. And so, yeah, we had, I had so many team members, so many people have had this now, but the classic where you have team members that you've worked together for months, you know them so well. And then six months in, nine months in, you finally meet them face to face. So yeah, our, most of our team is in New Zealand, not all in the same place. And we have some team members in Australia. And then I'm increasingly spending more time in the States these days as well. So I, I was going to ask kind of along that same vein, New Zealand is a fantastic place and I love it dearly because it You're is home. You're biased. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it does come with some challenges in the sense that like the economy and the infrastructure, the networking, all of that stuff is much more condensed than it is in the States. So I'm, I'm curious with your experience hopping around the world and now being in New Zealand and running, a, getting a startup started from New Zealand like have you encountered any different challenges trying to launch that from like a smaller economy there's definitely pros and cons so yeah de there's definitely some challenges and there's some things that are really great the great things are that I think because it's smaller one it's really easy to get connected to people here so if there's someone I want to talk to a hundred percent I can get a warm intro <laughs> and and they will probably make time for a conversation too so that's really lovely. There's a lot of excitement around seeing companies that were born from here succeed on the global stage. So I love that. There's there's kind of this close-knit community that's really lovely. The flip side for sure is definitely smaller market. And one of the things, um, so this year is when the borders have opened up with New Zealand. So I've been able to go back to the States a lot more. And one of the things that's really struck me about being in the States, which I love and has been so important for me as a founder is People in the States just have a lot more of kind of the belief that we can make the impossible possible. Yeah. And e e like, let's go for the moonshot. And it's okay. You know, the kind of that American optimism. Just, we're all just dreamers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, but you know, as a startup founder, like, I don't think anyone would do this without quite a bit of dreaming <laughs> and a lot of hard work, but, but quite a bit of dreaming on the yeah. way. And so it's been a really lovely emotional boost to get that. Whereas one thing that I have found in New Zealand is there's a little bit more of like, oh, well, that's going to be hard or that's going to be tricky. And, and I, so I'm right. like, yeah. And I, I sort of, I'm like, I know it's hard. Don't worry. This is my full time job thinking about what's hard. <laughs> like, Please believe in me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can for sure second that as well. Because anytime you tell someone in New Zealand, like, oh, I'm going to start this business to do something kind of like slightly out of the ordinary, you're met with, I think, a lot more skepticism. Whereas over in Canada or the US or whatever else, it's more like, oh, cool. How are you going to do that? Like, make it happen. Like, I can connect you so and so and so. It's like, it's a lot more of a like encouraging atmosphere. And I do, the tall poppy syndrome is very real in New Zealand, but it's something that I have definitely appreciated of the North American culture for sure. 
All right, everybody. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us, podcast at Stack Overflow with questions and suggestions. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things. I do developer experience at Remote and OSS Capital. I'm Matt Kinanda. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online at Matt Kanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. That's me, Lauren. Finish off the show. I'm Lauren Pete. I'm the CEO and founder of Multitudes, and you can find me online at L-M-P-E-A-T-E. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.